What's up, Plum Creek? Good to see you. Thank you for being here. Greetings as well to those of you that are worshiping with us online. Thank you for helping us redeem technology and, and worship wherever you are. As Paris said, we're in week three of our Love First series. This has been a good series, and it's a critically important one for us as a church as we continue to work to lean into what it means to make Jesus famous in this valley and understanding uh, what, it, what it looks like for our church to reach its full redemptive potential is all of us uh, understanding this call on our lives to have influence here in Castle Rock and around the world. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I kicked it off with a challenge to keep it simple. Love God and love your neighbor. And if we did that, for sure, we would be following the heart of our Heavenly Father and we would make global impact if we all did that together, it would be even more significant. Last week, Pastor Eric talked about the way that oftentimes we find ourselves in these positions where we're kind of judging those around us. And if we're gonna love first, how can we handle that kind of predisposed spirit to judge? And what he said is we need to learn to tip the scales in other people's favor, like we would want for them to do for us. I found myself thinking about that all throughout the week. So to kick off this morning, I thought it would be appropriate for us to do a little word association game. All right, I'm gonna say a word, and you tell me what goes with it. Make sense? Okay, here we go. Salt. Oh, come on. <laughs> Peanut butter. Okay, now we're there. Bacon. Biscuits. Oh, you guys are with me now, like we're all ready to go get some breakfast, aren't we? <clears throat> yeah. Okay, shifting gears, a little non-food. King, Barbie, okay, I had doll all three services. That's, that's, I mean, she is a doll, right? Okay, king, king, queen, good. Up, good. Chicago Bears, bad. <laughs> that's awesome. I thought somebody for sure would say Super Bowl. That is, if you're, listen, if you're a Bears fan, that is not what you're saying. You say Chicago Bears and you say, Draft picks, draft picks is what we're thinking about now. <clears throat> Here are two words that Jesus put together, ready? Salt and light, salt and light. That's what I wanna talk about today. This passage that we're gonna look at is found in a sermon where Jesus was teaching in Matthew chapter five. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, you can turn or swipe there and follow along. The people that were listening to Jesus that day were very inspired by what he was sharing, and we continue to be inspired by these words all these years later. The first 12 verses of chapter five, Jesus goes right to the heart of the matter. Like, what does it look like to be a Jesus follower? What does it look like? And what are the character issues? What, is, what does it look like when the Holy Spirit is at work in your life? What are the results of that? And that's the first uh, the first 12 verses. And it's very powerful. Jesus teaches how to treat other people, how to act, and he talks about our relationships, and ultimately he's just talking about the character of the kingdom of God. To fully understand where I'm going today, I need to remind you of what he said in those first 12 verses. Are you ready? Take a deep breath. Ask the Lord to speak to you for a second. Tender heart. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. 
Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Sounds like that'd be a good series, doesn't it? And we will do that someday. Jesus was bringing the thunder that day, talking about what a Christ follower is. And then he shifts gears to what a disciple does. But the key to where we're going today is to understand that to live the way Christ followers are called to live, it's literally an overflow from what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart. It starts with the Holy Spirit's work in you. And then that is then recognized by the world around us in a different kind of way. So it flows out of these character issues that Jesus has just taught about. And now Jesus is talking about the influence that disciples or Christ followers are to have on the world around us. And he uses a couple of amazing word pictures. And this is what he says in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Verse 14, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So these two concepts, these two metaphors, these two word pictures help set a standard for how Christ followers are to live and the way that we make an impact. And again, we talk about this a lot at Plum Creek. We talk about changed lives, changing lives. We talk about making Jesus famous. And these words, this challenge that Jesus gave this day resonates with us. So here's my main thought for this weekend. I am salt and a light. I am salt and a life. So let's dig into this just a little bit more. That first sentence is the one that really jumped out to me as I was studying and preparing for the last week or so for this message. You are the salt of the earth. I need you to notice something. And this is paramount to understanding Jesus' call in this passage. Jesus did not say you can be salt of the earth. He didn't say you should be or even will be the salt of the earth. He said we are. Now that challenges me. Because that means Doug doesn't get to choose a day off. I'm salt every day. I was salt last week. I'm salt today, tomorrow, and the week that lies ahead. I don't get to choose to be off a day of being salt. And we are salt to the world around us. This is important. Our identity in Christ means that I'm salt to the world uh, that, that I live in. The, being salt wasn't a goal to shoot for. It's a present reality of who we are in Jesus. The challenge is for you and I then to take this salt to the world in a serious fashion, to live and to, to, to live this out well. We don't get to choose. The stakes are pretty high. We must live aware of our calling to be salty. And when I finished last night, on my way home, my son Josh called and he's like, Dad, I think you need to clarify a bit because salty means something different in our culture today than what Jesus was talking about. And he's like, I'm afraid that that Saturday service might not have understood that. So make sure the Sunday crew mean, understands Jesus wasn't meaning to be resentful, bitter, or irritated, which is what salty has, has uh, come to mean in our culture. So thank you to Josh and 
the poor people that were here on Saturday are just heading out to be salty to the world around us, right? What does Jesus mean by this? We're responsible to be salt to the world around us. Jesus elaborates on the metaphor, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. So the first observation that I have here is this general characteristic of salt, and that is that it is fundamentally different from whatever you put it on, right? Like my steak last night. Good friend of mine brought some steaks over to the house, and uh, I have this special flaky salt that I like to put on my, on my steaks. Why? It makes it taste different. It tastes different than just this piece of meat on its own. The power of saltiness is all about the difference, isn't it? It's all about the difference. So Jesus said to his disciples, and Jesus says to you and I, the power to have an impact in the world that we live in is all about, listen carefully, our difference from the world. That's what stands out And that's what makes us salty, that we're different. And this is my challenge all week long. This challenges me today, and I hope it's starting to challenge you. And it begs answering this question, am I any different from the world around me? And we learn from a very early age, most of us, to try and work hard to fit in. We want to fit in. We don't want to feel like we stand out. At least that's true for most of us. And so when I was a kid, we didn't have a lot of resource and. And uh, that, that was just kind of magnified by the fact that there were four of us kids in the family too. So whatever resource we had was uh, definitely split up even differently because, because there were so many of us. So when I really wanted a pair of leather Chuck Taylors, man, it was like had to take a lot of negotiations. To, or an IZOD, I gotta have an alligator on my shirt. Anybody, they were like, how old was this guy? You know, like some of you remember that. Or an Atari Gaming system, I mean, come on, that's like next level if you had that. Truth be told, guys, listen, we didn't even have a TV. My parents refused to have a TV in the house. So I think that uh, this has transposed for many of us into a pattern of behavior of trying to fit in, to try and be seen as though we fit to the culture around us. And the the stakes are pretty high. Now it's not only just uh, clothes and shoes but it's also a house and a car and phone and vacations and all the rest of it. And we get into this frenzy of trying to fit in and then our culture is telling us, hey, okay, cool. If you wanna be a Jesus person, be a Jesus person, but just keep it on the DL. Like you don't need to talk to me about that. And Jesus is calling us to be people that stand out to the world around us And remember, this saltiness flows from Jesus' earlier challenge. It's the direct result of our connection with him and the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in us that that causes us to stand out differently to the world that we're living in. Jesus is saying we are salt, implying that we should be salty. And my question is, are you? Are you salty to the world around us? And what does Jesus mean by this? There's likely two aspects of salt in his mind when Jesus said this. So the first one is this, salt preserves. Now students, let me tell you something. I know this is gonna be hard for you to possibly even imagine. There was a day when there were no refrigerators. It's true. When Jesus was was, uh, teaching back in the day, there were no refrigerators back then. 
And, and so what they did is they used salt to prevent bacteria from poisoning food. So you can begin to understand how important salt would have been. Salt was so vital for this purpose that they were literally wars fought over salt. It also was used as currency. So you went and did a hard day's work and you got a bag of salt for all of that effort. And there were times when entire economies were based on salt. Salt could literally make the difference between life and death in a time when fresh food was unavailable. And just as salt was used to prevent bacteria in food, Christ followers, listen to me, we are meant to be a literal preservative to the world around us as well. Notice that it's the earth that needs the salt. You are salt of the earth, not salt of the church or salt of your small group or salt of your family. You are salt of the earth. That means we are to have influence and impact on the world that we're living in. There's great purpose. I shared this with you in week one. In being who you are, where you are, your neighborhood. Students, listen, the, the, the school that you're in, the classes that you have, the friends that you have. Your family, your friends, they desperately need the preserving influence that can only come from the work of God in their lives too. And you're how it happens. We need to understand that. And and the question is, are they getting that preserving impact from you and me when they have interaction with us? Jesus most likely had these two aspects of salt in mind. First of all, that it preserves. And second, obviously, salt salt as actually also adds flavor. We know that. We still use it that way today. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said this in uh, Colossians chapter four. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make most of every opportunity. Let your conversations, and I need your help here, be... There's like 12 of you that are with me today. 12 of you. And this is a very important very important point that I'm trying to make today, so we're gonna try and do it again, okay? All right, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be and so that you will have the right response for everyone. See, it's important for us to know that God uses this challenge through Jesus to us and through the Apostle Paul that we are to be salty, not ghost peppery. Some of you are ghost peppery. And you need to back down the spice a bit. Your Facebook posts. Peppery. Peppery, not salty. Peppery. Gracious and attractive. What if you just took the GA test on everything you said, wrote, and posted? Think about it. Have I just been gracious and attractive? Or have I been ghost peppery? We're called to live different and we need to be careful Jesus highlighted the purpose of salt when he spoke of the danger of salt losing its saltiness. Sometimes it loses its saltiness, right? Because you're like, it's too much. Have you ever had a steak with too much salt? Ruins the whole doggone thing. You don't even want to eat it. You want to wash it off under the faucet because it doesn't taste right. Sometimes, because we haven't lived gracious and attractive, we've actually lost our flavor to the world around us. They want nothing to do with us. Can we make it salty again? Jesus says it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You see, the kingdom 
and all that's associated with it is supposed to be anything but boring. And that's part of the reason why I do what I do. Listen, when I was a kid, I was in a lot of boring services. And I was like, this is the greatest message in the world. Let's make it fun. Let's do this in a way that connects with our hearts and our souls so that we understand the love of God, so that we're motivated to go out and figure out how to apply this to our lives so that we can be different than the world around us. Part of our task on earth is to live in full embrace of our new nature, living intentionally, intentionally alive in a different kind of way than the world around us, intentionally purposeful, different than the world around us, intentionally hopeful, different than the world around us, intentionally joyful, different from the, I could keep going. We are to be different. We should be living in such a way that others will take notice and consider what is so different. First Peter 3.15, put it this way. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Look at verse 16. This is my son Luke's favorite verse. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. We're supposed to be different, but we're supposed to be different in a way that's compelling, not one that pushes people away. This difference that, that you and I should be making will have a huge impact on this valley and on the world around us, living in full embrace of all that the Holy Spirit is doing in you and me. There's no way, there's no way that if we live in full embrace of that, that it won't stand out in your neighborhood, at your work, and in our community. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He gives another word picture that's equally as important. In Matthew chapter five, starting in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Hopefully you were paying attention to that first sentence because it follows just in line with the salty verse. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Again, no option. When you say yes to Jesus... You're a light. The question is, how is that light shining? How serious am I taking the mandate to be a light that shines? We are a light to the world. We are a light to the world. This emphatic phrase, you are, challenges you and me to ask the question, what kind of light are we being? How does our light shine to the world around us? Again, no days off. This happens because of who we are in him. We are a light. I am salt and I am a light. You see, we don't have this light in us because you're good. That's not where it comes from. This is not a self-manufactured light. This light comes, again, directly from the work that God is doing in us. The Apostle Paul talked about this as well in Ephesians chapter five. For once you were full of darkness. Anybody remember those days? We should have been like, amen, it was. But what happened? But now, you have light. Where did it come from? From the Lord. From what he's doing in us. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Jump down to verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. 
make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And we're like, Paul feels like he could have written that yesterday because we're still living in what we would describe as evil days, right? Paul's saying, listen, we can have a difference because we have a light in us and it comes from the work of God in you and me. Therefore, we do the best we can to live as people of light, producing what is good and right and true. So I think it, it begs us to really kind of pay close attention to this word picture that Jesus is giving us. And so I wanna, I wanna do that today. So I'm gonna ask our team to help me here for just a minute. What happens when the light is turned on purposefully in your light, in your life, in mine? What happens? It stands out in darkness, doesn't it? You can clearly see the light. And that's why Jesus was challenging us to live this way. You see, there should be nothing that comes between you and the source of light that is deep in your heart and your soul. We prioritize that, staying connected to him and listening to the, to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our hearts that will drive us to have this kind of light that shines in darkness. So can I ask you today, how, how is your light shining? Being salt and light implies being different. It implies standing out. And I wonder today, I wonder if you stand out. Jesus uses this metaphor, you are the light of the world. And then he says, no one, no one would light a lamp and then put it under a basket. Don't try and hide the light. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And then he says, in the same way, let your good deeds. It's the whole heart behind this series. That we're gonna love first. And we're gonna find ways to love and reach out to this world around us. Be expressions of God's love to those in our community. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise you for your good work. Is that what it says? No. You see, the attention isn't on us. This light shines so bright that people will praise our Heavenly Father. The light that Jesus seems to be talking about here is evident because of, of, of the way that it empowers us and moves us and motivates us to do these good deeds in the world around us. I am salt and light. We are to be different, to have kingdom impact, impact that comes when I decide to let my light shine. When I make the decision to be the salt to the world around us, like Jesus was saying. But one light, listen, does not make the collective impact of the light that will shine when you and I decide to let our light shine together. Oh, it gets bright fast. And I wanna illustrate that today. So will you do me a favor? Take out your phone. Don't turn your light on yet. Let me just turn mine on, okay? These little suckers are pretty bright these days, but that's not that great, is it? But here's what I thought would be cool, and I'm gonna get video of this. 
For those of you that are all the way over here on my left, you're right. The people that are right along the road, will you just turn your light on over there on your cell phones? Only those that are right on the very, very end. Right? And, and raise them up in the air. And then... I want to do a little wave of light. Does that sound cool? It's like what they do at a concert, but we're going to do it at church because we have fun here. So I'm going to turn this off. Don't do it yet because I want to get my phone ready because I want to video this again because it's so cool. And I want you to see how all of a sudden the bright light is magnified because we do this together. Are you ready? Let's do a little wave of light. Ready? All right, section. Let's go. Look what happened in this room. Leave them on. Wow, I wish you could see this. Oh, you guys. Think about the collective influence that we have together. If we get serious about letting our light shine. And the light is only as bright as it possibly could be when you and I both take this serious. Man, we can, we can do some work this week, guys, if we will allow what God is doing in us to be a light that shines to the world around us. Will you stand to your feet? I'm gonna pray. Keep the lights on. Hold them up. Your battery will be fine. You can plug it in in a minute. <clears throat> oh, wait, isn't that a great metaphor? Make sure you're staying plugged into Jesus too, okay? That's how that light will shine well. See how fast I did that? <clears throat> Father, we thank you for this challenge that you've given us. And we want your work to be done in us so that the world around us can see you through our lives. And today we're also reminded of how powerful that light will shine when we collectively take this serious together. And I'm asking today, Father, that you will mobilize your church. We talk about the importance of loving first. Boy, if one person does that, that's powerful. But when thousands do it, Lord, we will change this valley and this world, and that's your plan. So will you help us? Whether it's when we put salt on a steak later this week, or when we accidentally, and Lord, I pray this might happen a few times for everyone, turn the light on on our phone. Will you be, will you be reminding us of the importance of being salt and light to the world around us? Lord, let this week be different that there would be a different kind of intentionality because we follow your lead and your teaching from Matthew chapter five. We love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, why would we not let our light shine when we're reminded of the goodness of our God, right? How about if we're reminded before we go of what God has done in us that then should be our message when our salt and our light impacts this community?